0: Section 5 of Unvarnished Tales. This is a LibriVox recording, all LibriVox recordings in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Unvarnished Tales by William Mackey. The Grigsby Living. Grigsby is in Kent, and, although in respect of its hops and cherry orchard, it is called upon to pay extraordinary tithes. Its inhabitants seem comfortable and contented. An occasional agitator, happening upon Grigsby, endeavours to arouse the farmers as to the iniquity of the landowners, but these political missionaries receive but scant welcome, and packing up their carpet bags, depart by early trains. Much of the neglected bestowed upon the disciples of those who consider that land should be let at prairie rates may be traced to the fact that for ten generations the bogkins have been established in the vicinity. At the present baronet, Sir Lionel de Stacey Bogkin is as popular with his tenants and with the countryside generally as any one of his preceders. The Bogkins were good landlords and stuck by the farmers, and the farmers with a fine bucolic sentiment of reciprocity stuck by the Bogkins. One of the Bogkins always went into the church and was presented with the Grigsby living. Here, he ministered to the living bogkins and delivered his sage platitudes to the unheeding ears of the bogkin effigies that lay in the chancel, staring right on with calm, eternal eyes. Twenty-five years ago, a curious break occurred in this apostolic succession of Bodkins. Montague, being the baronet's third son, and being, into the bargain, the mildest mannered man, of whom it is possible to form any adequate conception had been destined for the grigsby living and for the emoluments their form accruing including tithes ordinary and extraordinary montague had passed just a year at christ church oxford when his uncle who then had the living died suddenly and although montague was not a man of very brilliant parts he knew that by no process of selection or patronage understood even by the church could his ordination be so hurried as to permit of his stepping into the shoes of his deceased uncle and he further felt that the inhabitants of grigsby being presumably possessed of immortal souls the said soul standing in weakly need of saving the living must be temporarily held by someone outside the pale of the family during the first weeks following the death of reverend reginald de stacy bodkin m a the subject was not broached in the family, but when, after a reasonable time, grief had become ameliorated, and nothing so demonstrative as a paroxysm permissible, the son approached his father and observed with his peculiar drawl, "The situation is decidedly awkward and complicated, don't you know? not at all, not at all replied the parent with decision, "I'll see that it's all right. Go back to Oxford, but the time you're ordained, Grigsby living will be ready for you." montague was still doubtful and he said hesitatingly don't you think that i'd better study for the bar notwithstanding the general gloom the baronet smiled as he answered my dear boy when you are ordained i can present you with a living if you go to the bar i think it quite unlikely that you will be able to pick one up no leave everything to me and go back to oxford so he left everything to his father and went back to oxford five and twenty miles from grigsby is limpus on the wald which is i believe one of the very poorest parishes in all england it is not only poor but it is widespread its inhabitants are dense and the work of its rector somewhat wearing at the time of this unvarnished tale the rector of limpis was dr shotter one of the most learned and pious clergymen in the church But care, ill-health, anxiety, and the death of his wife had told on him. Moreover, he was an old man. He had completed his seventieth year, and now calmly waited an early call to the land of shadows, whither his wife had preceded him. Worn to a mere skeleton, with a small hectic spot burning on his cheek and a hacking cough racking his frame, he sat at the open casement inhaling the heavy perfumes of a hot July afternoon. He was tended by his daughter, a staid woman of forty, who placed her hand on his forehead when the fit of coughing came, and handed him his draught, or spoke words of hope and encouragement when the old man gave it as his opinion that the end was very near. Then was heard the rattle of a heavy vehicle on the road, and presently a drag and four steaming greys drew up before the door of the rectory. A man of about fifty years of age descended from the box seat, entered the rectory garden, and in a few moments Dr. Schauder's daughter was reading from a card the name of Sir Lionel Stacy Bogkin, Bart. The baronet was admitted, and by his fine, genial, hearty manner, soon found his way into the good graces of the rector. "'Badly drained, unhealthy hole this is,' he remarked with candor, alluding not only to the house in particular, but to Olympus generally." The doctor of divinity nodded assent and had a terrible fit of coughing. You must get out of it, my dear sir. The place is killing you. Olympus on the world wants a young man with an iron constitution. You are an old man, but with many years of useful work before you. Dr. Shotter shook his head and avowed that he had but little interest in the life that now is, and made touching reference to another and a better country, an allusion which caused his daughter to weep tut tut said the baronet the beastly vapours of this place have depressed you now what would you think of grigsby a paradise sighed the old pastor then sir enter that paradise it is mine to give genius like yours sir should be taken care of in its old age my dear madam he continued turning to the daughter add your solicitations to mine there is no hard work there is the most charming air in kent and there is a stipend which will permit the purchase of those luxuries to which an invalid is entitled. "'It is like a dream, sir. It seems too good to believe,' said the daughter. Nevertheless, she argued with her father, and urged him till he was beaten down to a solitary argument, which was that he was too weak to be moved with safety. The kindly-hearted baronet, however, speedily dispelled that difficulty. When the time came he would arrange that the man of god should be removed by easy stages and in the most comfortable of vehicles and that is the manner in which reverend dionysus shotter d was appointed to the grigsby living five and twenty years ago when sir lionel had praised the heir of grigsby he had not done it more than justice compared with Olympus, it was indeed a paradise and to the great delight of his daughter rachel Dr. Schotter lost his cough before he had been two months in the new place. He began absolutely to put on flesh, found himself capable of walking a mile without inconvenience, and displayed a vigor in his pulpit discourses, which would have roused feelings of envy, malice, hatred, and all uncharitableness in the breasts of his curate, had that divine been capable of such worldly emotions if the prayers of a righteous man avail much then should sir lionel bogkin have been one of the most blessed of mortals for the revived minister prayed night and day for his benefactor and called frequently at bogkin towers to return his personal thanks and to exhibit the beneficial results of the heir of grigsby on a constitution which he had regarded as shattered beyond hope of remedy i don't know how it is rachel he observed after one of these visits but it seems to me that sir lionel does not seem to exhibit much joy and thankfulness at my marvellous recovery and daily access of strength your fancy pa dear, replied his daughter perhaps so and yet when i said to him to-day that next to divine providence i owe my thanks to sir lionel bodkin he replied rather testily i thought think providence my dear doctor and not me it is only his brusque manner dear under a rough exterior he hides the kindest heart it must be so it must be so slowly repeated the aged divine in a tone which did not argue absolute conviction meanwhile montague at Christchurch was zealously preparing himself for the holy office to which he would soon be called and a year after the installation of the new rector he received a letter which neither in its subject matter nor in its tone was one which a pious father should have dispatched to a boy about to become a light of the establishment the letter read my dear monty my plans about the living have been all upset before offering it to the present incumbent i made the most thorough inquiries of his medical man and found that he could not possibly live more than two or three years in fact when i brought him down here he was little better than a corpse and a corpse with a daughter as old-looking as your mother But thanks to the change, the light duties, and the damned air of Grigsby, the old doctor seems to have taken a new lease of life, and, upon my soul, I see no reason in the world why he shouldn't live to be a hundred. It is impossible for me to explain to the old idiot the reasons why I placed him in the position. Besides, I don't believe that even then he would resign. I see no immediate chance of your having the living. But of course he may die. At all events, we must hope for the best. Your affectionate father, L. d'Espy. The above letter was written 24 years ago. The Reverend Montague Bodkin is curate in a fashionable church in London. He has grey hairs on his head now. He is married to a sister of Lady Ashmington, and is greatly blessed with progeny. The living, which lies in the gift of the Bodkin family, is still held, by the Reverend Dionysus Schotter, D.D., a hale old man of ninety-five, who was never tired of singing the praise of his lately deceased patron, or of extolling the qualities of the heir of Grigsby. End of chapter 5